Did you back. see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? I don't know. This is a part that's scary because nothing's happening. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. All righty. Boom. Is this thing on? Are we doing this, this now? Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Girls and Ghouls. The podcast that will give you nightmares yeah. and laughter. <laughs> and laughter. Dropped everything. I know. We're both like moving our mics and bumping stuff. Like, we're Things totally that go prepared. bump in the night. Things that go bump in our microphone. Um, so here's, here's something odd and interesting. Um, Google maps photographer captured a ghost in a bar in Salt Lake city. I feel like this is the beginning of a bad joke. Like a ghost walks into a bar and I know, well, I also find it odd that it's in Salt Lake city, Utah, because it's Mormon capital. Right. And they don't right. believe in drinking. <clears throat> so the fact that there's even a bar in Salt Lake city is kind of interesting. But yeah. yeah, he was in there taking pictures for Google Maps. And he said that he took several pictures in a row. And um, yeah, there's a picture of like the picture he took is looking into the bar. And it looks like there's an old like trolley car inside of the bar, which is interesting. Um, but there's like a shadow, a ghostly shadow between the table and the trolley car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Creepy. I want to know, like, was there anybody else in the bar with him when this happened? Like, I mean, I assume there would have to be someone else there, like, that would be like, oh, yeah, I felt a cool breeze. I don't know. There's no people in the picture, so I don't know. Um, There's another story of, ooh, this is a creepy picture. This one is another Google Maps ghost. Um, Ghost girl with green skin found on Google Maps. Nuh-uh. Green yeah. skin? Yeah, she's pretty creeptastic. It says it was spotted in the city of Lawrence, Indiana. It's a small house at the end of a cul-de-sac, but after zooming in, the unsettling figure becomes visible. It's been described as a small demon child, which seems to stand at the front of the house as it gazes into the camera. It appears to have green skin and dark hair with its hands tucked away. What's it doing with its hands? doesn't know <laughs> it doesn't know what to do with his hands <laughs> no it doesn't there she is she's so pretty mm-hmm. she needs to eat a hamburger she's yeah, a little thin. Get that girl a sandwich get that girl a sandwich wash her hair she'd probably be, be cute all cleaned up I, I mean I don't know I don't know She's a little, little weird, little, little strange looking. I'm sure there's all kinds of crap. Actually, I know there's all kinds of crap on Google Maps because I've seen some weird crap on Google Maps. Marley and I yeah. were, we were 
we went to Raleigh for spring break. I know that's a weird spring break destination, but we went to Raleigh, North Carolina a few years ago just to get yes. out and do something fun and different. And we were on Google Maps before our trip and she's looking up stuff to do. And she's like, oh, look, this is a cute little coffee shop. that's like at the first floor of the condo where we're staying. And so she gets on Google Maps and she starts looking around and there's a dude dressed up in a banana suit. And there's another dude sitting across from him playing like ukulele, <laughs> like just all this weird. I don't know what's going was, on in Raleigh. I don't know. Raleigh, what are you guys doing? But was we it peanut butter jelly time. We went. <laughs> we went to that coffee shop every day that we were there for breakfast, and we yeah. saw some of the people who were in the Google Maps picture. Apparently, they're hey. regulars. It was kind of funny. Marley was like, "Were they in the banana suit?" Mom, that's the banana suit guy. <laughs> like really Uh she's like it's totally the banana suit guy he wasn't wearing a banana suit i was a little disappointed but it was him whole trip i know that's awesome i mean weird but awesome i saw the google car one day too when my mom and i were in oregon and when i tried to chase it down so i could be in the pictures but it was too freaking fast man those suckers are hauling yeah 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 They, they they do that here too which is really really nice when they're like plowing through and i'm just like this is downtown lititz yo like we're nobody looks before they cross the street you're gonna kill someone and that's gonna be real interesting to find on google maps yeah the blood so. spatter on the lens like uh they don't even cool bother it. cleaning it off just dries there ew Ugh. that'd be some had, ghost story was, right there yeah it would i was killed by the it's the google ghost <laughs> Google ghost. <laughs> there was oh. some blogger. There was some blogger not too long ago who found out that the Google car was coming to her neighborhood. Yeah. Like her friend down the street called and she's like, the Google car, it's here. And so she got all of her family still in their pajamas to run outside to the street and stand in their pajamas and wave at it. So you can Google their address and they're all waving at the Google car in their pajamas. <laughs> she put it up on she put it up on her terrible. blog. <laughs> that's hysterical <laughs> see that's awesome I want to be on Google Maps I just want yeah. them to update my freaking house they have not updated my house in like 10 years oh yeah same ours still has a white door and I'm like nobody leaves their door white <laughs> except rentals <laughs> like, and get I just need an update like no white door no doctor's office shrubs. Yeah, it's like, listen, please. we've updated this th- this sucker, man. We've lived in this house for almost six years. The people who lived here before yeah. did not do a very good job with, like, you know, making it look nice from the street. We have curb right. appeal now. Can you come back and take a new picture? That would be great. Yeah. Yes. I just have one request. It has to, like, that's totally how I feel, but they have to come in, like, May. May or June. When everything's blooming. When- Everything's blooming because right now it looks like the apocalypse came through Lidditz <laughs> and my front yard is like, it's dead. My flower beds look like, I don't know, like Satan walked across them himself. It's, it's bad. It's bad. But in the spring, it's like so pretty. Um, and this year, I think we're going to, we're going to add a pond. Oh, we're gonna add a pond to the front. Yeah. That'll be nice. You know, if I put it in the back, Lily will drown. So. <laughs> Lily is her stuffed sausage of a dog. Yeah, she she doesn't float. Neither does Daisy. I want to take Daisy <laughs> to the lake so bad, but yeah. I'm so scared that she would just sink. 
she's a basset hound. There's no way that basset hounds are good swimmers, right? There's no way. I think they actually are supposed to be because of their toes. But there's so much, Let me see. so much skin and girth. Like my other two, my labs are great. They love it. They love to go swimming. Labs are water dogs anyway. But then you've got, yeah. you've got Daisy May. Oh, wait. Nope. nope. No, basset hounds are not swimmers. No, they're not swimmers. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> they're too they heavy. They can. They're too heavy. But they... The two thirds of their weight is in the front of their bo- their body. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth, and there's so much skin. It's so funny when you try to pick up a basset hound. It's like trying to hold, like you know those little kid toys that just look they're kind of tubular oh, shaped. Like, yeah, yeah, and you, they like squish when you hold them, like they slide out of your hand. Yeah. That's like what it is to hold a basset hound. There's so much skin that you try to hold them balanced and they just like slink back and forth in your arms because the skin it's just it's funny well look you could just get her oh my god i can get her a floaty life jacket with a handle on it that is a fat basset hound the one in the yellow holy crap that sucker is is a big boy he's adorable they're excited too they're excited look look, they're going they're going oh my gosh they're like yes i want to take her here we go i'm gonna have to do it yep i'm gonna (laughs) I'm going to have to get her one because it's so cute. Oh, my God. Daisy, we're going to the lake this summer, baby. Me and you. <laughs> oh, they're throwing toys out and they're getting them. Oh, my gosh. Bringing them back. Look how slow. He's like, that's pretty much their warp speed right there. <laughs> Except when Daisy spazzes out. You've seen her spaz out. She gets crazy sometimes, yeah. and she she just wants to run laps around the house, and it's really funny. That is pretty I'm funny. Have to take her to the lake now. My dog does that after I bathe her. Oh, ours do too. I don't know what Where's it my- is about being in the water, but they get freaking crazy. Yeah, that's how Lily is, but she's like not an excellent swimmer. <laughs> so at least I don't think she is. She got real spastic in the kiddie pool last year and was like, "Oh God, how do I get out?" I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Well, we're not taking you to the lake or the beach or anywhere with water. (laughs) Um, Drown in a puddle. So we had something interesting happen. I did not think this would happen until much, much, much later in the history of girls. But Aaron and I picked the same story. We did. We picked the same story. And honestly, it shouldn't be a surprise at this point since we just like kind of gravitate towards the same stuff. Yeah. So... So what we have decided to do is we have a couple of stories, short little stories that have been emailed to us from our listeners, and we're going to read those, and then we're going to tackle our story together. And you guys just let us know what you think. Let us know how you like it. Just a little bit different format than what we're used to, but it's all good. It's all good. good Good in the hood. For reals. But before we dig in, we are, since we're reading stories, guys, sending our stories yes. so that we can read them because we like to read your stories. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't already, go and join the Facebook group. Just look up Girls and Ghouls on Facebook. We can link it in the show notes and all that jazz and tell your friends to join also so that we can all get spooky together. Mm-hmm. So it's Girls and Ghouls Podcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. It's where you can send your stories. You can find us online yeah. at girlsandghouls.com. Girls and Ghouls on Instagram, Girls and Ghouls on Facebook. 
Girls and girls all mm-hmm. the places except Vero because we don't believe in Vero. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different story for a different day. <laughs> different podcast. Yeah, different <laughs> podcast. Um so yeah, all right. So we're gonna read a couple stories and we're gonna we're since we didn't ask specifically, we're not going to say the names of the people who sent these to us. So when you do email us, let us know if you want us to say your name. We won't say your last name regardless, but um, just let right. us know what we have permission to talk about and what we don't. Um, yeah. And since we don't know what these two, we're not going to say them, but they'll know when we read them. They'll know. They'll know. Yeah. They'll so you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Okay, so this one, I'm going to struggle with pronouncing everything, um, just so everyone knows <laughs> we're going to do our best. So this email says, my mom grew up in the Tatry Mountains. I think that's right. Of Zach. I, I hope so. We're just going to. Just we're gonna say it how it's Don't spelled. Don't correct me, guys. Say it how it's spelled. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. I mean, that's all we it's can wrong. do. That's it. Okay, so my mom grew up in the Tatry Mountains uh, in a town of Zakopane, Poland. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Poland. I just butchered that. When she was around four years old, her sisters, her sister, parents, and grandmother were fast asleep in their family home. It was the dead of winter. My grandmother was awakened by the sound of her doorknob rattling and footsteps in the hall outside her bedroom. The footsteps crossed the hall to where my great-grandmother was sleeping. My grandmother tried to wake my grandfather up, but when he didn't get up, a.k.a. he rolled over and stayed asleep. Typical. <laughs> typical. She went to investigate who was in the house. That's a, okay, let's, listen, yeah, let's stop right there. That's to, a brave kid right there. there. Yeah. She was Did, four. No. She was four yeah. years old, and she's like, hey, Dad, there's somebody in the house, and he just yep. rolls over. Seriously? Yep. Okay. Continue. Yep. Well, I think – well, no, I think it was – I think it was – it was her mother, like the four-year-old's mother, because she said that my grandmother tried to wake my grandfather oh, okay. up. But still. But either way, so let's stop here, though, about that anyway. Then she went to investigate who was in the house. Don't do that. <laughs> Like, unless you are well-armed, you got a baseball bat or something, you're like, you're, you're packing, mm-hmm. you're ready. You know, don't just, be, you know what? He didn't wake up. So I, I got this. Listen, I'm all for equal rights, except when there's someone in the house. Yeah. Then my, th- then you send the man. That's what they're here for. Checking to see what that noise was, killing spiders mm-hmm. and bringing the groceries in. <laughs> there we go. So let's move on. Um, she went out into the hall and called out, but no one answered and there wasn't anyone there. So this is what I'm imagining. Hello? Yeah. And it's like, it's the ghost. Like the it's the ghost in the movie. Or it's the bad guy in the movie. I'm in the kitchen. You want a sandwich? You want a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She then heard footsteps outside on the porch. She looked outside and again heard footsteps walking down the path away from the house and saw the gate swing open and then close as if someone had just gone through it. When she turned and looked the other way, she saw that the house was on fire. (laughs) Okay. So we're dealing with a ghost who comes and walks through the house. She sees the swing, the gate swing open and close, but there's not a person there. And then the house is on fire. Yeah. Okay. So this escalated quickly. (laughs) 
She quickly got everyone out of the house. Later, she was telling her mother-in-law, my great-grandmother, about the footsteps, and she said, oh, that was just Grandpa, her late husband. He comes to visit me sometimes. Thank goodness for ghostly visits. This was sometime in the 50s in a mountain village in the winter. Logistics of putting the fire out logistics of putting the fire out weren't great whoever their late night visitor was saved their life that's insane grandma's just like all chill about it she's like yeah she's like yeah it's fine i make him some pancakes it's all good exactly that's all good that's that's a cool story though like it's creepy at first but then it's like dang thanks grandpa i'll knock a look out to the yeah Yeah. That's how you fist bump. <laughs> um, that's, yeah. That's crazy. But no. Like, we don't go in the hall and hello. And then go in the porch in the middle of nowhere. Have we learned nothing? <laughs> I mean, this is the 50s, though. Learn from our ancestors. Learn from your ancestors, my dear, dear mm-hmm. friends. Don't say hello. Don't call out. Just wait. Just wait. Right. It's fine. If somebody in your house needs you, they'll come get you. Yeah. And you just hide. The whole doorknob rattling thing. I mean, it was Mm-mm. it was not cats like it was in Aaron's case. Which they did again last night, and it was lovely. <laughs> I'm like, okay, At guys. Least you know, know what it is now. Yeah, it's just annoying now. Now I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. No to sleep. All right, this one is Somewhere. like very scary. Very. Okay. Spectacular. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. So this one says, okay, I have two stories that are almost exactly alike and occurred within one year of each other. As a senior in college, I had my own dorm room and was alone studying intensely for an exam. I finished the binge and went to bed. For some reason, I left a small light on in the room, which I do not normally do. I fell asleep and almost immediately I was awoken by an intense growling and snarling in my right ear. No, thank you. (laughs) No. 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 (sighs) I got chills when I read that. I can't even. Um, She said, I was paralyzed. I could not move. It seemed like minutes went by with this growling in my ear and then an enormous grip tried to pull me through my bed. I mean, literally downward. My arms and leg flew upwards. Yeah, through her bed, down into her bed. My arms and leg then flew upwards at over a 120 degree angle. I was frozen, still with the growling in my ear. (sighs) After a few seconds, I spoke to the demon whom I believe to be the big guy Lucifer and told him that I was an avid lover of St. Michael and he was coming to kick his ass. There you go. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, the fact that she even had her wits about her to pray is awesome because it may have saved her life. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've got the biggest chills right now. She said, I did this, and almost immediately the grip released. My legs flew down and laid there for about 10 minutes. I left the light on and went to sleep after a few prayers. Okay, that's just the first story. I would not have stayed in that room for a second. I'd have been out. No, you go. You find me sleeping in the church. I'd be on the church floor. Okay. That was just the first time. The second occurrence happened one year later at a friend's home in Oklahoma. I was staying over and was sleeping on the couch. The exact same thing happened to me. But before I fell asleep, 
One other thing happened. I heard thumping footsteps in the attic and then boom, the same set of occurrences happened in the same exact sequence as the first occurrence in my dorm room. The growling, the snarling, the grip. <sighs> the next morning I asked my friend if she had had this happen in her house and she said yes once. What? That's it. What? I need to know where this is so I can not visit it's there. It's somewhere in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, it's somewhere in Oklahoma. It's scary enough to keep me out of the state entirely. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going. That's, not that's terrifying. Going. The growling, the snarling in her ear, and then the fact that she can't move and she's physically being pulled through her bed. Like Freddy Krueger, man. Yeah, it is. No, I'm not not doing it. Mm -mm. Those are creepy, guys. Thank you for sending those in. That's terrifying. Um, girls and Ghouls Podcast at gmail.com. Send us some more creepy, 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 creepy. Ugh. Creepy, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one scares me. Uh, That's that. Uh, yeah. I, don't like it. I don't like mean ghosty people. No, no. But seriously, like, how awesome. You're right. Like, I wouldn't have had my wits about me enough to be like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. Yeah. I mean. I'd have been like, take my husband. He's juicier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. probably would have messed my pants up. I would have had to change my. A little bit, yeah. Yep. Be a code level brown. Yeah, probably some we're calling blood curling <laughs> coming from my room. Yeah. Yep. I can't imagine I would be chill enough that I'd be like, St. Michael's going to kick your ass and then go to sleep after. No, I'd never sleep again. <laughs> like I would, I'd have to have someone watching me while I slept. There's just no way. Mm -mm. That's no scary. way. Scary stuff, Good man. Grief. <sighs> Good grief. So, um, so. <laughs> that was scary. So we, like I said, yes. we picked the same story. We did. And, uh, I'm okay with it. Cause there's actually a lot yeah. that goes on. There's a lot at this house. Yeah. Um, yeah. What have you done? My, this is, it's not creepy in the slightest. My light flickers and it's. Because there's something wrong with the switch. Uh -huh. and so it just flickers from time to time. And it just happened to flicker. Sure? And it was it's a little creepy to see, but I know what it is. I'm just going to turn it off. So we don't even have to. I love that I start introducing <laughs> the story and it starts to flicker. <laughs> it was really good timing. Yeah. So um, anyway, the story that we are both doing, we're going to talk about it together. <laughs> <laughs> is the story of the Whaley House. Mm -hmm. Believed by some to be the most haunted home in America. I think they all say that at this point, but this one's got a lot going on. Well, this one was actually voted for, like, uh, like, like it was actually ranked mm -hmm. and stuff by, like, CNN and magazines and Will Schwartz. Yeah. So... It's not like the owners that are like, you know what? Our house is the most haunted. Yeah. It's like people who were like legitimately like, oh, yeah, this place is terrible. Yeah. 
Like stuff happens all the time, all the time. Yeah. Pretty much doesn't. Yep. It's pretty much nonstop ghosty goodness over here at the Whaley House. Uh, it's in San Diego, California, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Let's see. The ha- stupid old. Yeah, it's stupid old. So where where the house was built, the grounds where the house was built actually were originally used as gallows where they would hang mm-hmm. they would hang criminals. Um, yeah. And there's this one guy named James Robinson, known as Yankee Jim, that was hanged there. And he apparently was taller than the gallows. So when he stood on the wagon and they lynched him up, his feet were still in the wagon and they had to forcefully kick the wagon out from under him. And he didn't, it like normally... Back then when they would hang people, it would snap their neck and that's how they would die. But he strangled to death. So he was there for like 15 minutes just writhing around in this rope and that's how he died. So it was pretty brutal hanging for back that's in the day. That's a terrible way to Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was on the land and Thomas Whaley was there for that hanging and he still was like, meh, it's fine. <laughs> Let's buy this. I'm going to buy this plot of land. Like that to me feels weird. That part of the story felt weird to me because I'm just like, they were very superstitious back mm-hmm. in the day. You know, everybody was naturally very superstitious. And it wasn't like it is today where there's like speculation and people like are skeptical. Everybody was a little bit like, don't walk under rent ladders, the no umbrellas in the house. People were worried about mm-hmm. that stuff. So he, there's this makeshift gallows section. And for him to just be like, you know, whatever, I want it. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. It's going to be mine. Like, what was his mindset at that point in time to just be like, it's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know if it was just like a really prime piece of property in a really good part of the Mm -hmm. town. Because back in 1855, when Thomas Whaley bought it, San Diego was a very new city. So, I mean, maybe it was just kind of like center of town and... He had a business attached to his house. He had a general store that he attached to his house when he built it. So maybe he wanted to be centrally located. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, he bought he bought the land in 1855. He built the house and he and his wife, Anna, and their three children moved in in 1857. And like I said, he had a general store there in the house. Um, Yep. And almost immediately. Um bad things happened. So what I and Aaron and I have not compared notes, so I don't know what you have and what I have. Um, but what I have is that almost just a few months after they moved in, their infant son died of scarlet fever. He was about 18 mm-hmm. months old and he died. And then a few months after that, a fire raged in the home and destroyed the general store. So they had to move out, right? Yeah. They, they had to move out to San Francisco for a, a few years. They did. But before, even before all of that, like it was within like weeks of moving into the house, um, they started hearing footfalls through the house. And they said it sounded like heavy boots. Mm-hmm. And um, they couldn't explain it for a while. But Thomas, he was just like, oh, it's Yankee mm-hmm. Jim. He's still here. Like he just was like, whatever about it. Yeah. Like Yankee Jim is living in the house. <laughs> And they, they lived with that. They just dealt with that until they did leave was all, all of the noise that he was making. Yeah. 
So they moved out, moved to San Francisco. They came back in 1868, and at this point they had five children. So a total of six that she had birthed because, you know, the infant son had died. So they had five children when they moved back in. Um, The house went through a lot of changes over the years. It was a city courthouse for a while, even while they were living in it, which I thought was odd. Is that weird? Yeah. So there's like still you can go to the museum today and there's a whole room set up as a courthouse. And so San Diego's first um, like city records and stuff were kept there. And there it became known as Old Town. That part of San Diego became mm-hmm. known as Old Town as the city grew and expanded. And so apparently there was and I didn't really dig much into this part of it. So maybe you have this in your notes, but there was like some. There was a ruckus <laughs> between Old Town and Newtown, and people were petitioning to have the, the city records moved to a new location in Newtown. Um, right. And uh, I ha- in 1871, Thomas was away on a business trip, and men came in and held Anna, his wife, at gunpoint and seized the courthouse records and moved them to Newtown. And from what I read, everything that I've read said that that is kind of the moment when things started to escalate in the house. <clears throat> yeah. Do you have anything more on on that? Because I didn't find a whole lot about I, what that whole deal I was. I didn't. No, no, I, I didn't do a, that part to me. I mean, there was a lot of that stuff happening, like not just there, but like countrywide. People were starting to like people were starting to want to take ownership in different ways of things. And there were lots of power struggles and the Whaley family was a, you know, they were a powerhouse mm-hmm. family for sure. And they mm-hmm. didn't want to relinquish that power, but um, no, I didn't do much digging on the history of that part. So the next, I, I started digging later. Yeah. <laughs> and you might have some more current stuff. Cause I went into like the sixties and that's about as far as I got, mm-hmm. but um, cause there's a lot, there's a lot in this house. There is a lot. Um, the one of the daughters, well, two the two older daughters ended up getting married in the house. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, Violet Eloise Whaley, she got married January fifth, eighteen eighty two, um, and Violet married a man named George T. Bertolacci. I guess is how you say his name. So that's. We apologize yeah, if that's wrong. That's, like. <laughs> that's how I would have said it too. And here's a fun fact. Anna Amelia, the other daughter, wed her first cousin, John T. Whaley. Because <laughs> that's what she did back Aww. then. <laughs> he been yeah. in the family always. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Violet did not have a very good marriage, though. No. Poor Violet. Poor, poor Violet. Because her husband, her her new husband, the love of her life, left her in the middle of their honeymoon. And in this time, that was very scandalous. And women had, I mean, they dealt with a lot of embarrassment and shame and whatnot over divorce. But they were inevitably divorced. And she moved back home. She went home. Because that's what you do. You're a woman scorned. You go to your mama. You got to go back. Um, But unfortunately, Violet just, she never really recovered from it. Like she didn't go out. She stayed pretty much to herself on the second floor of the house, like in her room. She just stayed there miserable, very depressed. Lots of stories about her just sleeping the days away and 
there were, you know, the rumor mills mm-hmm. that she was afraid of because they were talking about her. People were talking about her. People were mean about stuff like that back then. Yeah, it said – Like it was her It said fault. that proper ladies did not go about unchaperoned. So it was very yeah. odd for her. Basically, even though she was – I don't know how old she was because I don't have her birth year, but – even she was, 22. she was 22, she was probably considered an old maid at that point because she was married yeah. and then divorced. Her husband, yeah. they found out later, was a con artist, and he was just after the dowry that he was getting as a marriage gift. Um, so it was just yep. – it was a hard time for Violet. It was a tough time for poor Violet, yeah. Oh, no, she was she was tw- 19. When she got married? When she got, when she got married. Oh, that's right. She was 22. When she died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She took her own life. Um, this part makes me hurt, man. She killed herself. She got her dad's 32 caliber and shot herself in the chest. In the chest. That's mm-hmm. a really, really bad way to go. Yeah. Because there's, it's, that's not like, there's no quick and instant with that. That's suffering right there. Um, but she, was very, very, and I hate to say this because it's it's really sad. It's very sad that she was just like she never recovered from all of that, and that society was so so off mm-hmm. then that that was her only escape. But she left behind a poem as a suicide note. Um, did you see that? Yeah, her isn't that tragic. So the the poem says. Uh, mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. And that's a uh, bridge of size from Thomas Hood, which is that's something referenced to by a lot of people. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe even talked mm-hmm. about it. Um, very famous, like suicide poem. But she left that behind. And it was just such a, a token of her just complete despair with everything. Yeah, very sad. She must have really loved that dude. Well, I mean, I'm sure she did. And just the sadness of having the love of her life just ditch her like he did and take the dowry. But like you said, just the public shame and the humiliation because the Whaley family was a very prominent family in San Diego. And, you know, the the women are supposed to be held in this high regard once they get married and they're a woman of society yeah. and all of this stuff. And she was just made fun of and mocked. And and it wasn't even her fault. No, like, it wasn't her fault. Gosh. It was her horrible ex-husband. Anyway. Yeah, it's sad stuff. Blech. So um, there were a few more deaths in this house. Thomas Whaley himself died in 1890 at the age mm-hmm. of 67. His wife, Anna, died in 1913. The last Whaley to live in the house was Corinne, who was the youngest of their six children. She actually lived to the ripe old age of 89, dying in 1953. But all of those deaths occurred in the home. Yeah, there's a lot of death in that house. And I mean, I think that was really, that's the way of the mm-hmm. time. Families often did live and die yeah. in their homes, like just all of them. Um, but there was no like lack of <laughs> of sad moments in that house for sure between, you know, people dying of natural causes to an 18-month-old dying of scarlet uh-huh. fever, which was terrible, yeah. terrible. So then we fast forward. So after 1953, when Corinne died, the house was taken over by a, st- a historical society. It's now a museum. Um, 
there have been hundreds and hundreds of visitors to this home and a lot of employees and volunteers just in and out of the house. Um, things were restored and there was, you know, construction work that went on for a few years and just upkeep and maintenance and things like that. So with all of this activity going on in and around the house, there's a lot of activity in the house. There's a lot of stuff that's been reported. Um, everything from, um, the boots, the heavy boots walking around upstairs or even descending the staircase. Um, some of the most common reports, people claim that windows get flung open by themselves, even though they're locked from the inside. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that I thought was kind of funny was like the crystal drops that hang from the lamp. They would move like somebody yeah. was just playing with them. They wouldn't move as if somebody mm-hmm. bumped the table and they all moved at the same time. It was just a few of them at a time, like somebody was just tapping a few of them and playing with the crystal drops. Um, organ yeah. music and singing and a baby crying. People hear people hear mm-hmm. a baby crying, which they obviously think is the Whaley's son who died so young. Yeah. So those are some of the lighter yes. things. And then there are stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got some of the lighter things. Um too um they say that of all of the the like lighter encounters baby thomas is the one that they they see the most he's like always close by and they think that that's just the way he really like he was in life too just always like close to his Mm -hmm. mom you know always toddling about but they hear uh tiny footsteps running around and um him crying and him mm-hmm. giggling. Um, people have said that they felt a tiny hand like grab onto their leg and stuff. Um, <laughs> toys. Yeah, his toys move on, on their own and all of that. But they say he's really, really, really active, um, which I, again, find strange. He's not trying to like talk to anybody or anything. It's just like he's just running around doing yeah, his own thing. Yes, it moved on. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think that is odd because we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Like, children are the innocent, you know, like they have a direct route. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why he'd right. be hanging around. But if if his mom is there, and there's apparitions of her, oh. so if his mother is there, yeah. then you know, maybe that's why he's still there. Maybe he's just clinging to his mother. He's just with her. Yeah, he's just with her. I mean, that would make sense, and that would absolutely make sense. But they do say that. Anna mm-hmm. is there quite a bit. I mean, they see her everywhere in the gardens, mm-hmm. you know, just doing things in the house. And they, they describe her as just going through her normal, like, life routines. Mm-hmm. Like, she's tidying up and she's dusting and crap. She's just, you know, making sure that everything is yeah. kept to the way. It's almost like she doesn't realize that she's dead. Yeah, it's like that movie. Yeah. The Others. Yes, that's a creepy movie. Yeah, it it's like she doesn't realize that she's dead and she's probably wondering why there's these people coming in and out of her house and she's just trying to keep things neat and tidy. But um, I ha- there's one account. So Aaron and I both <laughs> bought this book. Um, I bought it at Barnes and Noble and I, I sent her a picture and she's like, I have to have that book. But it's called yep. Ghosts, True Encounters from the World Beyond. And it's by Hans Holzer, who um, apparently was a very well-known parapsychologist back in the 60s. Um, He conducted many, 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 many ghost investigations, paranormal investigations. Um, And this book is so freaking good. So freaking good. It's very well documented cases, um, conversations with witnesses, 
Um, he takes this one woman, Sybil Leak, with him on a lot of these investigations, and she's a medium, mm-hmm. and she can communicate with the dead and that sort of thing. And this one I thought was kind of funny because when he investigated the Whaley house, he took Regis Philbin with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that awesome? was really funny because back in the 60s when he did this investigation, Regis was like an up-and-coming TV personality. Yeah. They were friends. He and Hans were friends. And he's like, yeah, you're coming yeah. out to San Diego to see my new house and you're going to be on my show. Why don't we go check out this Whaley house? So they did. And uh, so it's this very well-documented investigation of the Whaley house. Um, so one of, um, so there's, there's an account of visitors, Dr. and Mrs. Kirby, who visited the house in 1960. And apparently Mrs. Kirby was very sensitive to these sorts of things um, because mm-hmm. she had a lot of experiences in the, in the short visit that she and her husband were in the house. Um, she was very fascinated by all of the, pieces that were on display just that belonged to the Whaley house or whatever. And she wanted to go up to the room by herself to see those. Her husband apparently wasn't all that interested. He just wanted to tour the house. So she was like, can I just go upstairs and check this out? And um, Mrs. Redding, who was the caretaker there, she was like, yeah, sure. So a lot of these instances come from Mrs. Redding and Mm -hmm. the people who worked for her or came to visit while she was taking care of the place. So, um, So Mrs. Kirby said that when she started to go upstairs, she felt a breeze over her head and then a pressure against her that seemed to make it difficult to go up the stairs. This is very widely reported. A lot of people have said that they feel the breeze, they feel the pressure, all of it. Um, She said she had the feeling that somebody was standing so close to her that she kept turning around because she fully expected somebody to tap her on the shoulder. And it was the whole time she was walking around upstairs. She felt somebody like right up against her. Um, Yeah. So she never had anybody touch her, but she just felt like, you know, you can tell when somebody's like hovering, you know? Yeah. And that's what it felt like. And a lot of people apparently said that when they're upstairs, like closing up for the night or whatever, they feel that too. They feel like somebody is like right behind them and they, they don't know why. Um, When she was walking with her husband and Mrs. Redding into the courtroom, she pointed at a woman that she could see sitting at a table Mm -hmm. and they couldn't see it. So Mrs. Redding said, can you tell us what she looks like? And she said, I see a small figure of a woman who has a swarthy complexion. She is wearing a long, full skirt reaching to the floor. The skirt appears to be of calico or gingham, small print. She has a kind of cap on her head, dark hair and eyes, and she is wearing gold hoops in her pierced ears. She seems to stay in this room, lives here, I gather, and I get the impression we are sort of invading her privacy. So oh. um, she could see this woman. And apparently swarthy yeah. means dark-skinned, and none of the mm-hmm. Whaley family was dark-skinned, so they don't know who this woman is. But oh. there are several other witnesses who said that they've also seen a woman with long dark hair pulled neatly into a bun wearing a long like hoop skirt kind of dress with a small print on it. Right. So whoever this woman is, and she could be dark because she's a shadow. I don't know. Right. And it could be Anna. Interesting. We don't know, but that's how she was described. Right. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting account. That's one of the most like detailed accounts of an apparition that, yeah. that they were able to gather. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that one. How cool. 
Yeah. How cool. Yeah, and she was just a visitor. She was not an employee. She was just there to check out the yeah. house and she experienced that. Yeah. That's wow. Mm. Huh. I wonder I wonder who that is. I think one of the um one of the other parts of it cuz that that was one of the things that I did see a lot was that people were seeing things that didn't necessarily fit with the Whaley family. Um, like there's allegedly a little girl, Mm -hmm. like the spirit of a little girl that they, and there's no record of it so that like people can confirm or deny it. They're just like, well, I don't know. Um, but one of the children's friends had come over and she was accidentally strangled with a clothesline out in the backyard and died on the property is what the story says. So they see her sometimes playing in the backyard. She's just playing, you know? Um, But again, there are no records saying that this happened or this didn't happen. Um, And there's not any consistent name, but it's something that people talked about apparently for them, for that story to even like start, it came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of the ones that I thought was so interesting. And it does make sense. Like, honestly, it would make sense to have other Spirits in the home, aside from the Whaley family, given that there were periods of time when the Whaleys weren't living there mm-hmm. and they had borders. Yeah, and we don't know. So, like, there's no documentation of who the families were and because the Whaleys still right. owned the house at that time. So they yeah. just let people live there in the time yeah. that they were in San Francisco. So there's not a history there, a documented history of what right. happened between, what was it, 1857 and 1868, I think. So we've got, yeah. you know, we've got this 11-year period where we don't know what happened in that house. Yep, because there's nothing kept on that. Not to mention, you know, they are using it as a courtroom, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and things can get attached in that way depending on what sort of sentencing That was something else that I read in this book where um, Hans, Hans, whatever, Holzer, he was asking uh, Mrs. Redding if – there was um, documentation showing that the sentencing had been carried out on the property and she couldn't find any documentation of it. But back then it was pretty likely that if someone was sentenced to death, they were literally taken out back and that was it. Like there wasn't a prison sentence that they waited for death row. It was, if you're sentenced to death, you're killed, you're taken out back, you're killed, whether it's by hanging or you know, fire line or whatever. So it's a pretty strong possibility that in the time that the courthouse existed on that property, there were pretty significant number of deaths, people who were convicted of crimes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that could potentially be going on. Um, I like this story and it's funny because in the last episode you had a story of a ghost dog (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we have another ghost dog and it just makes me so happy. <laughs> I love the ghost dog, but I this is funny. So in 1964, um, one of the employees said that they were engaged in closing up the house with a few other people. Um, returned from securing restrooms, walked down the hall, turned to me with the key while I stepped into the hall closer to reach for the master switch, which turns off all the lights. I pulled the switch, started to turn around to step out when he said, Stop, don't move, you'll step on the dog. He put his hands out in a gesture for me to stay still. Meantime, I turned just in time to see what resembled a flash of light between us and what appeared to be the back of a dog scurry down the hall and turn into the dining room. I decided to resume a normal attitude, so I kidded him a little about trying to scare me. 
Other people were present in the front hall at the time waiting for us at the door. So he turned to them and said in a rather hurt voice that I didn't believe him. But he said he saw a spotted dog like a fox terrier that ran with his ears flapping down the hall and into the dining room. (laughs) (laughs) Ears. I love the ears flapping part. I love it. I love the ghost dog. I want to play with the ghost dog. (laughs) 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 It's so cute. I love that so much. Little ghost dog. Um. I like the stuff that still happens. Well, we'll have to, yeah, I'll have to let you get to that. So I've got a few more. Let me just read a few more of the stories from here and then you can talk about more current stuff. So um, there was a group of visitors being escorted through the house. Um, When one of the visitors called out and the whole group went into one of the upstairs bedrooms and the rocking chair was rocking by itself. Everybody freaked out, (laughs) of course. Um, There's also, let's see, there's one employee, um, her name was Mrs. Suzanne Paree. She had a lot of stuff happen when she was working there. Lots and lots of accounts. Um, Some of the most notable were she would smell cigar smoke and the fragrance of perfume or cologne where it shouldn't be. Like just Mm -hmm. randomly she'd walk through almost like somebody had just exhaled a cigar. Apparently Thomas Whaley really liked to smoke cigars in the house. Oh, yep. So she would smell it and she would maybe smell Anna's perfume or something like that. Um, she yeah. reported seeing an apparition in the study. This apparition is kind of creepy. It was an entire mm-hmm. group of men having a meeting. Oh, she said that oh. some of them were in frock coats and some are, were in plain vests. And there was one man in particular, and they're not sure if it was Thomas or not, but one man in particular had piercing blue eyes and a gold watch. And it was a very important meeting. She couldn't hear what they were saying, but they were obviously kind of heated in this discussion. Um, And uh, he had, she said the person was of medium stocky build, light brown hair and mustache, which was quite full and long. I just feel like he'd probably be stroking his mustache. Mm -hmm. Pocket watch in one hand, stroking his mustache with the other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And she's not the only person who has seen this group of men. There's been two accounts, actually, in this book uh, of a meeting going on. And they're completely unaware of anybody else being in the house. The group of men just does their thing like nothing else is going on. Um, Right. She would hear sounds in the kitchen that sounded like somebody was cooking in the kitchen. And she would smell something being made in the kitchen, but there's nobody in there. It makes me think of that wish that we had where our grandma would come bake us cookies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like grandma's just in the kitchen. Let her go. She's just cooking. Let, Let her do her, her thing. Do um, items would fall off or be pushed off of shelves and things like that in the kitchen. Even cleavers would be moved. People would push the cleavers what? and they would swing. Yeah. Um, she heard organ music coming from the courtroom. Um, and she also witnessed an apparition. Um, somebody went upstairs to close the shutters as she ascended them. She described a chill breeze that seemed to come over her head. Sound familiar? (laughs) Oh my God. Upstairs. She walked into the bedroom and toward the window. Suddenly she heard a sound behind her as though something had dropped to the floor. She turned to look and saw nothing, but again, experienced the feeling of having someone invisible hovering near her. She had a feeling of fear, completed her task as quickly as possible, and left the upstairs 
hastily. Upon my return, both persons seemed anxious to leave the house. That was Mrs. Redding's account that she had had relayed to her. Um, So yeah, lots, lots and lots and lots of stuff. And then there's also one very detailed story about this man who was part of um, San Diego's first uh, theater troupe and they would do performances in this Mm -hmm. house. And they, he and his theater troupe decided to spend the night one night to like check out all the stuff that was going on. And like, Right. They put their fingers on the top of a table like it was a Ouija board and the table moved across the floor on its own, like a big, heavy antique table, like it would slide across the floor. Um, yeah. And this this theater troupe at some point also did a play called Yankee Jim. And they performed it on mm-hmm. the grounds in the 60s. And the actors all reported, like, hearing sounds, the heavy boot steps, all this stuff, the whole time that they were in there, like, rehearsing and then finally performing. And one particular actor, the man who was playing Thomas Whaley, he said that one night after a performance, he was sitting in the kitchen and he felt someone run fingers through his hair. And then he heard this chair next to him squeak as if somebody sat down next to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah that don't touch the I hair. Know. that one creeps me out Just don't touch <laughs> nope. yeah there's nope you so can many me. like you can this particular me. story in this book i mean it's many many pages long there's a lot of stuff i didn't even get into the conversations that the medium had with the dude in the house like there's just there's Good so Lord. much stuff yeah yeah, there there is a lot. There's a lot. I didn't get into the conversations either because she has a yeah. lot of them. Yeah. Apparently, there's a man in the house that's not Thomas Whaley. It's apparently mm-hmm. Anna's grandson, I think, maybe. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wants everybody out of the house. He doesn't want anybody in there. Yeah. And apparently, the house has been divided into two sections, and that confuses him and right. angry. Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. I kind of gl- glanced at it because it's a long conversation, yeah. um, but it's it really is. interesting because I mean, she gets names like Anna Lassay, Anna Lene. She's like trying to figure out, and apparently Anna Lene is the maiden name of Anna Whaley. There's like yeah. all these names that come up in these conversations, and then they researched it later and found out all this stuff, but. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that's as far as I got. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of that, but I did keep going because it it they they kind of dropped off like the the hype dropped off in the sixties, but it's still one of those places that you go. And in fact, um, Tom Green, <laughs> which I find very amusing. Tom Green went and visited the property and um, he's actually got a video. They filmed him and he calls out like, any is anybody here? And a child's voice responds really to him. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't super long ago. Um, but as of now, the place is still, a, it's like a museum of sorts. You can go and you can tour it and all of that. Um, it's eight bucks to get in. You know, for like a 20-minute tour, just so everyone knows. Not everyone's cup of tea, apparently. I saw a lot of people were like, $8, I think what? that's pretty cheap <laughs> for anything in San Diego. 
Yeah, like, okay, it's eight bucks. But um, the people that work there will say that after they've closed up and, you know, everything is, you know, no one's in the building. They've done the security checks. They'll walk outside and they will see someone peeking out of an upstairs window. At them. That creeps the whole and peeking just out looking. thing. I'm not, mm-mm. I don't like that. Yep. Yep. Um, they'll see the curtains move, but the windows mm-hmm. are sealed. So they, they're not able to just move on there. Like it's not wind blowing through. Um, so the curtains do move. Um, they see Violet, poor, poor, sad Violet just hangs out on the second floor. Like they'll see her just Aww. moping. Even in death, she's sad. Poor, sad Violet. She's, yeah, she's still sad. One of the things that they talk, that people talk a lot about is, um, is the perfume, that smell of perfume. And they often will see a mist attached. Like there will be like mm-hmm. a white mist. It almost looks like they said they, they compared it to like um, steam going through, except that it's not hot. Um, and then they get the smell of a French perfume. And Anna was known for her. Um, she had a very like a signature scent, and it was this like mm-hmm. imported French perfume that she wore all the time. Um, if you go on to the the Whaley House is like official website, and pretty much any website that is talking about the Whaley House, there are hundreds of photos submitted of apparitions, both male and female, orbs, mists, um, tons of them. But my favorite. My absolute favorite story, recent story, is of a museum tour. There's a a family that went on a museum tour, and they've got the tour guide and everything, and they've got a little girl, a five-year-old girl, and she's grinning ear to ear, waving very happily at a man standing in the parlor. And one of the guides said, who are you waving at? She's like, the man waving at me. And they looked, and there's no man in the parlor. But she waved, and she described him. And they believe that it was uh, Anna's Mm -hmm. relative that was waving to him. And um, from what the owners say, or the people who, who do all the like media stuff, they say that that's not uncommon, that a lot of kids come in the house and they will see a man that is very excited to see them and will wave to them. And he's like not doing any harm. He's not coming close. He's always hanging out in the parlor, but the kids in particular will see him and they respond in a positive way and wave and say hello. And parents are often like, what? Kids lost it. They think imaginary friend. They think, you know, make believe children playing, but the kids that are spotting it don't know each other. Kids are, kids are sensitive to that. They haven't been damaged by society yet. You know, they haven't lost that. Yeah. Yeah. That skepticism. They they haven't become skeptic yet. You know, the older we get, the more skeptical we become of things. And so they don't have that yet. So they're definitely more sensitive and open to these things. Yeah, for sure. So I thought that was really interesting, though, that the kids, the kids that see him, they they'll say hello, they'll wave. And it's it's, you know, just like a a friendly guy walking, welcoming them into the house. So it is crazy. I love it. I love it so much. And kids often see the dog. too. Kids apparently see more. Kids see more than most people. Like they don't, because they've they've talked to some mm-hmm. of the kids who have said that they've seen the man, and they wave to him and ask, like, "Do you see anything else? Like anything scary?" And never the kids are like, "No, hmm. no." So it almost feels like I mean, maybe because they had so many kids, the yeah, Whaley's had a kids. lot of kids, you know. So it would make sense that you know if they're aware of the living being there, and it seems like they are, given the fact that some of them are mm-hmm. just like, "Come on, give me some space, y'all." 
um, that they would be naturally a little bit more yeah. soft yeah. with the kids. So, I love that, though. And I love that all the parents <laughs> were like, oh, <laughs> there's a man in the parlor? Okay. Yeah. Things that creep you out. When your kids say that there are men standing in yep. places where there are not. Oh, I found one more story that I had highlighted that this one kind of creeps me out a little bit. What? This is from an employee in 1964 said that they were cleaning up the house and he went into the music room and started playing the piano, suddenly felt a distinct pressure on his hands as though someone had their hands on his. He turned to look toward, yeah, he turned to look oh. toward the front hall in the direction of the desk, hoping to get the attention of the person seated there when he saw the apparition of a slight woman dressed in a hoop skirt and the dim light was unable to see clearly the face and suddenly she vanished. <laughs> well, the whole touching thing. Just don't touch me. Just don't touch me. Don't run your fingers through my hair. And you know, it's stand actually so really close funny. to me that I feel like you're going to touch me and tap me on the shoulder. Like, don't, don't. Mm -mm. Yes. This brings me to that movie that everybody loves and hates. Um, ghosts. Just ghosts. Patrick Singular. Swayze. Yeah. Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. And the, the whole like pottery scene, and she's like, "Oh yes, <laughs> no." I tell you what, my husband dies. He better not come back and be like, "Let me embrace you from behind while we do pottery." Oh he better God. keep his distance. You leave me love, love notes in the steam, okay? Leave me love notes in the in the, in the mirror steam. Don't touch. What me. if he like slides Don't a penny across the floor and up the door and then hovers it over to you? Can he do that? I'd be like, a penny, a cheapskate, a penny. That's what I'm worth to you. You can't even See, lift a dollar for me. Like a dollar. No, it kidding. really is a sweet movie. It is a sweet movie. It's got all the good music in it, too. Yeah. It's got good music. But seriously, that part always made me go, what? No. Mm -mm. That is a picture from the book. Did you see that one? Yes. Mm. It's creepy. There's a picture. Well, I'll have to share it. There's a picture in the book that was taken, I guess, in one of the bedrooms. And it looks like a woman, maybe even holding a baby in her arms. It's kind of hard. It's on page 300, Aaron. It's just, okay. it looks, I mean, it's, it's odd. Like there's a little bit of a white light at the forefront of the picture. And then there's a woman mm -hmm. that looks like she's in Victorian era clothing, like, it's hard to see because it is a shadow, but you can see the outline of a woman with her hair pulled back in a bun and like tassels yeah. or something hanging from her sleeves. And the way that her arms are, it looks like she could possibly be holding a baby or something else in her arms, but it's creepy. A dog. Holding the dog like a baby. Yeah. You don't do well. I guess you can't. I can't pick dog. my dogs up. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> yes. Daisy would slide right out. <laughs> <laughs> I have had to carry her before.